0: I would like to start by first mentioning that the focus of this year's uh, International Day of Zero Tolerance for Female Genital Mutilation, which is marked on February 6th, focuses on the FGM survivors, the 200 million that you've been talking about. And the theme for this year is Her Voice Matters. So every voice uh, from a survivor is a call to action and a a call to invest in their uh, survival led movements. Um, so this is correct. Um, we have a lot of girls and women affected by fGM it's a global human rights abuse, and it leads to several um, health complications. however, it's not an easy area to eliminate because it's uh, because of three reasons really uh, first, female genital mutilation is a deeply entrenched social norm that's handed down by generations through beliefs that are very difficult to change, as they are often linked with positive values like cleanliness like purity. Secondly, the beliefs that uh, that are around this practice are multiple and diverse, and they really depends on where you are. Um, it, it could range from being a necessary rite of passage to women's um, uh, uh, womanhood or to maintain family honor by reducing sexual desires to assure virginity before marriage. And therefore, it requires a lot of contextualization uh, at each setting. And finally, um, many players are needed to end it, and we have not invested enough.
1: For sure. And it's so interesting because we know that most cases occur in Africa, the Middle East and Asia. Now, what are some of the ways in which the UN is trying to better protect women and girls while navigating those beliefs and traditions um, that are, you know, some of the core values to those communities? What are some examples of practices that uh, are in place to support them?
0: So, uh, first, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, female genital mutilation is a practice that's really driven by an unquestioned uh, beliefs that are linked to positive values. So. Uh, to really address it, you have to question these beliefs and de-link it from these uh, positive values and as well as support uh, social movements, you know, that are against this practice at grassroots level, at national and link it globally. So the UN works closely with governments, um, civil society, grassroots organizations to catalyze a social change. Firstly, by identifying and encouraging an implementation of evidence based interventions. For example, we know now that social marketing and media involvement of religious leaders, uh, cultural leaders, health workers at service delivery points have a positive uh, association with changes in attitude. So these uh, we support governments, civil society and grassroots organizations to adapt these effective interventions to each context, to, to link the social movements at national, uh, local and regional to global levels and also integrate these interventions within institutions that have a wide reach to communities, for example, such as the ministries of health. And finally, but not really finally, just as an example, we also identify, help in identifying and mobilizing technical and funding um, resources so that their interventions are scaled up and no one is left behind.
1: There has to be different ways to compel, you know, different tiers of authorities to help, right? Um, one of them we know that is connected to the costs of FGM as a practice. And when you think about the care and the trauma that comes with this practice—I mean, the healthcare for it needs to have so many different nuances and, and levels—and it's never ending. What? So, can, do we have an estimate of you know of how much it costs? Um, how much this practice costs? You know, for health systems and communities, and um, again, and just give us other examples of how we can compel local authorities to. You know, come together and support those women and girls. Um, so
0: yes, there are estimates. In fact, the World Health Organization estimates that the health system costs, uh, for, uh, its complications, uh, are, is around $1.4 billion per year. So this amount of money uh, makes, you know, it's a very strong case for governments uh, because this is really an additional amount of money for already stretched health systems that, you know, are not really necessary if, if this was prevented. So using the cost angle is, uh, is quite a, a strong tool for policymakers to rethink about ending it because it, it re- leads to unnecessary costs. But, but as I mentioned earlier, female genital mutilation is rooted through beliefs and traditions. So, uh, we have to work in partnership and have ownership, uh, between, uh, with the communities that we target, right? With the governments that we work with. And this is done through dialogues, value clarifications, questioning of beliefs that are at times, interestingly, are not even rooted in science. For example, Um, Some believe that the clitoris will continue growing to a male size. That's why they need to cut it. Right. So this you know, it's really about a dialogue, having a conversation and and having people uh, conclude that this is what we want to do. I just wanted to add that punitive policies and laws that uh, cannot really uh, be enacted. Without the, you know, community buying or governmental buying. For ex- for instance, evidence shows that if you use FGM law alone, this is ineffective. In fact, it can lead to the practice going underground, it being underreported, and even at times could potentially have families not seek care, um, you know, for its complication, and this could really lead to serious consequences like death. Um, so, as I, you know, just to conclude, you you can't quite compel. You have to do it in partnership and with ownership of uh, the communities that practice.